If you have your Bibles, open them to Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13. I was going to spend some time just kind of letting you know what's happened in the first 12 chapters of Acts, but that takes too much time, so you can read. If you go home this week, spend some time reading the first 12 chapters of Acts, catch up to where we are, and uh, you'll find uh, as as we go, there's just amazing things happening in this story that Luke writes down for us. Uh, As we get into Acts chapter 13 and throughout the summer, we're going to see these missionary journeys of this guy named Paul. Uh, spelled out by Luke in the book of Acts. He's going to basically go from place to place on uh, three or four, depending on how you count his missionary journeys, uh, four journeys uh, around the Mediterranean. He's going to plant churches, uh, and there's going to be a common pattern you're going to see. He's going to arrive in places. Usually uh, there's going to be a celebration as as people find out about Jesus and follow him, and then usually there's going to be a persecution that follows the celebration. It's almost always how it works, that there's this initial harvest and then uh, well, people throw rocks at Paul, usually at the end of the stories uh, that we uh, see unfold here. So, uh, and, and that's been my experience in my life, as, as I'm part of this, uh, this life with Christ with you, uh, we've all been called to be missionaries, all right? Not maybe to foreign countries for, you know, long periods of times, but every, every one of us has been involved in the mission that Jesus set out for his first disciples, to go and make disciples, all right? We say that around here as our church, that we exist to surrender to God so that he can make disciples through us here and around the world. And everyone's been called to this mission. And all summer long, we're going to be holding up this, this fact. It's our end game. In fact, we, we meet on Sundays so that we can all grow up in our faith and be encouraged in our faith and be healed you know, in our areas of need, uh, whether it's physical or relational or emotional or whatever, so that we can be used of God in moving forward with this mission. The church exists on earth primarily, not for itself, but for the mission of God moving forward so that God's word can reach a world that desperately needs him. I remember the first time I shared my faith, I was eight years old. Uh, I was, you know, I guess a Christian then. I don't really remember, uh, you know, being super, I just grew up in a Christian home and I knew Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life and that everybody should follow him. And so my, my neighbor was a kid named Glenn. He was about six and one day we were playing in our respective backyards. I don't know why we weren't playing together, but he was in his backyard and I was in mine and I yelled across the yard, hey, are you a Christian? That's how I started. I've refined it since then, but that's how I started with Glenn. And he's like, I don't think so. And so I said, well, you better become one or you're going to burn in hell. That was it. That was my, that was my witnessing. That was it. My mom overheard me and she brought me and said, hey, Mark, you might want to, you know, build up to that, you know, uh. I just thought, yeah, that's what I needed to say. Uh, I took a long break. It wasn't until I was about 17 years old that I ever shared my faith again, and, and, and even that was kind of uh, unintentional. I asked a buddy of mine that uh, played basketball when he was on a high school varsity team if he would accompany me to a, a Baptist uh, uh, basketball camp that I always went to. Every summer I went to this camp, a little angry Baptist Bible camp, and, um, and I didn't think he'd say yes, and he did. And so now uh, it was great. I had a buddy at camp, and and, and we schooled everybody else. It was awesome. But he kept hearing the messages. And finally, you know, as, as we got closer to the end of the week, the Holy Spirit was working on Frank. And, and Frank, uh, you know, wanted to become a Christian. And so I got to sit with him and talk to him and be like, oh. Uh, but I, I didn't, I, I was, you know, I couldn't do the Glenn thing, you know. <laughs> become a Christian. Oh, you're burning hell. So, uh, so I, I, I did the WWE thing. I tapped my counselor in who was in our cabin. And, and he kind of closed the deal with my buddy Frank. Since then, I've had, uh, you know, by God's grace, lots of opportunities uh, in my job and in relationships with other friends 
uh, to just, um, yeah, share my faith with people and, 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 and seeing people come to Christ. And every time it's happened, just been amazed. Uh, nobody I've ever shared my faith with was on my schedule for that day to share my faith with. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? It just kind of happens. In fact, that's what it says in, in Matthew 28. When, it, when Jesus told his disciples to go, it actually, it's, the verb is, as you are going. Just as you're doing life. Just be ready to make disciples. That's the call of everyone in here. It's the call that was put on Paul and Barnabas as we're going to read their story. Uh, Jesus said uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said that we are all like cities on a hill. We're like this light that a dark world needs to look to so it knows how to navigate this life and get back to the God who made them through faith in Jesus Christ. That same camp that I went to with uh, Frank, I was in the northern Maine woods. And I I talk about Angry Bab. It was a great camp, good people there. Um, But, uh, but, but, uh, Northern Maine doesn't have a lot of lights, like literally. There's houses every mile. And, and so when they turned the lights out at camp, uh, down, down the hill where, where our cabin was, uh, you couldn't see any of the lights. They were, uh, you know, absconded, or that's not the right word, obstructed. There we go. Couldn't see uh, any of those lights. And so they had this one, like, uh, Christmas tree bulb, like, an or- like a yellow one, a dim one. They didn't want to draw the flies, so they had this really dim one. And it just hung outside the, the bathrooms. And if you had to get up in the middle of the night and walk to the bathrooms, it's probably only like 30, 40 yards, but it felt like forever. Has anybody been on that walk in the dark, right? And you don't know where the holes are. You don't know what critters are out there, right? And all you do is you just focus on the light and you walk towards it. And that, listen, that is the mission of the church, to be the light that a, that a world in darkness can walk to and find faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going to study this summer um, the ways that God used... Paul and uh, Barnabas and Paul and Silas and others like them uh, to, to be this light for a world so that we can be lights like they were. Uh, we're going to talk today specifically about how the Holy Spirit uh, helps us get out there. The Holy Spirit wants us to get out there, but we, we should all be glad that God, through the Holy Spirit, uh, provides for us so that we can get out there. And uh, we're going to talk through these things in this story told in Acts chapter 13. Now that we're in the church at Antioch, Paul uh, and Barnabas, actually he's still Saul at this time. He's going to change his name in this text. This is where Saul becomes Paul. Yay. Uh, but Paul uh, and Barnabas are hanging out. They're kind of elders in this church uh, in a place called Antioch. That's uh, where the Christians were first called Christians. Uh, and it's, it's just this blown and going church. It's, it's the cool church. Lots of amazing men and women were a part of the church at Antioch. We're going to get introduced to some of them here. It says they were in the church at Antioch, and, and there at Antioch there were prophets and teachers. Uh, if you were here last week, we talked about some of the spiritual gifts that God gives us uh, when we become followers of him, and, and prophecy was one of them, teaching was one of them. Um, those are usually leadership gifts, uh, or often leadership gifts in churches. And so these were probably the elders of the church at Antioch, a guy named Barnabas, uh, he came on early in the scene, Acts chapter 4, uh, an early convert to Christ in Jerusalem, and a, and a stalwart in the faith uh, who's now landed at Antioch. You got this guy, Simeon, who was called Niger. Niger just means black. He was an African, and he had landed somewhere in Antioch, and uh, he was uh, going to this church and had become a Christian there uh, and, and was now a leader in Antioch. Lucius of Cyrene was probably another African guy. Cyrene was the North African region uh, of the continent of Africa, and so uh, uh, he was there as well. This is one of, one of my favorites, Manan, or Manan, I call him Manny. Uh, he was a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch. Here's what that means. Uh, when John the Baptist uh, started proclaiming that Jesus was going to be coming, remember that in the, in the story of the Gospels? Uh, Herod, uh, 
was the leader in Israel at the time uh, who made a promise to his, his, uh, his stepdaughter that, you know, uh, he'll give you whatever you want. And he, she wanted John the Baptist's head. Anybody remember that story? And so Herod was the dude who had John the Baptist beheaded. Sweet guy. Herod was also the guy who, when Jesus was uh, put on trial before his crucifixion, he was one of the five triers of Jesus. And he, he mocked Christ. And he, he was just, he was a bad dude. Just a bad, bad dude. Well, he hung out with, apparently, this guy Manny, who grew up going to private school with him, all right? And they just hung out growing up. But guess, but Herod went this way in terms of Christ, and Manny went this way. And he became a leader in the early church there in Antioch. Uh, can God save anybody? Yeah, you better believe it, all right? Don't ever give up hope on any of those people that God's called you to share your faith with. Uh, they may be the mockers. They may not have the pedigree. They may not be in the direction of, of surrendering to Christ, but God can and does reach anyone. And then finally, you got this guy named Saul, uh, who we have come to know to be Paul the Apostle. Mixed bag there. Does everybody notice that? Racially, uh, background-wise, economically, probably differences there. Uh, that's how the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a diverse group. Uh, I'm grateful that we are a church that's growing in our diversity uh, but it wasn't too long ago that the most segregated hour in the American culture was 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Did you know that? Because everybody just went to their race or their culture or their ethnicity, and if they were going to worship God, they did it without each other. They just homogenized and stay within their people group. Uh, does everybody get that we're going to get to heaven and a lot of people are going to be there? You're going to be standing in line with folks from every tribe, tongue, and nation, people. Uh, now, we're going to be able to understand each other. You know, we can't say no abla anymore because you're going to abla when you get up there, right? But it's going to be this, this amazing collection of God's creation. It's going to be awesome. And I, I believe every church should be representative of what we're going to see in heaven. So we just need to continue to pray that God continues to diversify us and bring more people here. I know my wife's saying amen over there. Okay. Uh, the Holy, so, so let's talk about the ways that the Holy Spirit uh, gets us out there. The first one is he appoints the sent. All right? Now, all of us are sent. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't, make, don't ever think that the pastors or the missionaries are the only ones who are sent. Everybody is sent, okay? But on specific uh, or in specific periods of time or in specific places, we can't all go to Uganda. Wouldn't that be great? What, how, how cool would that be if like 2,000 of us showed up at Uganda? We would overwhelm the village of hope, I tell you that much right away. But wouldn't it be cool if we could all go? We can't. It doesn't work that way. So some are sent. And, and the Holy Spirit, whoever sends or whoever gets sent is, is, is to be sent by the Holy Spirit. Look what it says. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. That word worshiping there is the Greek word liturgos, which is where we get like liturgical. And it just means that they're kind of just doing the Christ life. It doesn't mean they were doing anything specific, you know, uh, you know uh, some act of worship or some rite uh, in worship. They were, just, they were just doing the Christ life. They were just living and, and living for Jesus. And while they were doing that, they were fasting. They were setting aside, you know, specific times for prayer. If you've never fasted, it just means giving up meals, giving up certain things that you are used to partaking in so that you can dedicate that time or that focus to Christ instead and, and, and just listen to him and, and hear from him as you pray. So they were doing this, and we don't know if this message came to all five of these guys, if it was just one guy that said, hey, I think this you know, is what God is saying that we're supposed to do next in our church. But the message came clearly from the Holy Spirit that Barnabas and Saul... Two-fifths of the elder team here in Antioch were to leave. Now, sometimes we skip over verses in the Bible and we don't see that there's, there's cost to every call, right? 
And if you're going to take two of your best and send them away on a journey that doesn't have any guarantees to it, I mean, that's kind of a harrowing thing. Would you agree? Like, I don't know if you like members of your family, but if God said, hey, I need two of them to go away for, you know, some of you would be like, oh, I know who I'd pick. But, uh, <laughs> but, but it, you know, if a church is a family, and, and these were the, the papas, the leaders of this family, two of them were being sent away. There was, there was equal excitement and, and maybe some like, oh, well, there's, there's loss. But, but regardless, uh, it was a done deal. Why? Because who had said to do it? The Holy Spirit. This is what God says to do. It's what we're doing. Now, let me say this real quick. I pray that everybody in here has an opportunity before their life ends to go and serve God somewhere outside of Brandon uh, in, on a mission stripe trip somewhere, somehow. Um, that may not happen for everybody, but I pray you're always open to it. Are we always supposed to be open? Uh, very, be very careful. This is extra. Be very careful to say, I will never when it comes to the work of God. Okay, God, I'll do anything else you want, but I will never do this. You're going to end up doing that, just so you know, okay? I told people I would never be, what, a pastor, and how's it going? I'm right here, all right? So uh, we should all be open to go, and I pray you all get a chance to go. But if you do go, don't go anywhere as a Christian tourist. That is not the call of Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to go check out, you know, the African culture uh, on the dime of the people who support us and send us there. Uh, We go, if we go, at the behest of the Holy Spirit. I pray that every kid that walks in here, everybody wearing one of those blue t-shirts that leaves here today, ready to go on whatever trip they're going on this summer, that they have heard the call of God and they are going in obedience to the Holy Spirit as a part of the teams that we are, have representing us as a church. The Holy Spirit's calls and in the church sense. Everybody with me on that? And the second thing I want you to learn is this, that the Holy Spirit, when it comes to us getting out there, is gonna surround those who are sent with senders. These three other men are going to be the leaders in the Antioch church who not only uh, pray for and provide for, but they are partners with uh, Paul and Barnabas as they are being sent. Look what it says. Then after fasting and praying. So they they got this message from God. The Holy Spirit says, uh, make sure that you go and you, uh, uh, you know, uh, send Paul and Barnabas. Uh, They need to head off. They fasted and prayed some more. They wanted to make sure. I, I encourage this. I advise this. All right. If you feel like you're about to make a big decision, selling your house, taking a job, marrying a person, okay, pray about it. If you sense the leading of God, great. Don't stop there. Keep praying through that decision, all right, asking God, God, is this what you want? Is this what you, and he'll, a lot of times, isn't it God, God's a great God. He will affirm decisions as you move forward. Does anybody sense that happening in life? You know, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Oh, this happened. That's, that's in that direction. Oh, this happened. That's in that direction. God, is this what you really want me to do? Yes. And then, and then off you go. Continue to pray. These guys continued to pray. They continued to fast. And then they did this cool thing. They laid hands on them. They signified that this is, this is on lock. We're doing this. They laid hands on them, and they sent them off. Has anybody ever had someone lay hands on you when you got prayed for? Anybody ever laid your hands on somebody? Now, there's lots of different reasons that we lay hands on people. Uh, you know, in the, in the early church, they would do it, um, you know, during healing services as a, as a sign of, you know, um, uh, the Holy Spirit's power going through those who were praying to the person who needed healing. They would do it when they would confer leadership on somebody. If you lay hands on someone and commission them in leadership. But here in this case, uh, the laying on of hands, and probably in every case, there's a little bit of this. Uh, the laying on of hands is, is a symbol of what happened in the Old Testament. Get this. In Leviticus chapter 1, if you were going to bring a burnt offering for the sins of your family or yourself uh, to the temple or the tabernacle, 
uh, you would bring the animal, usually a goat or a ram or a calf, and uh, you would present it to the priest. The priest would get ready to end that animal's life. Because remember, the wages of sin is death. Somebody's got to die. In the Old Testament, animals literally died for the sins of man. And you would, what would you have to do? Here you go. And then you just step off to the side. No, just so you know, you would have to stand next to the priest and you would have to put your hand on the head of your sacrifice as that sacrifice uh, gave its life for your sins. Highly symbolic. What was happening in that little exchange? You were uh, mentally and even physically understanding that my sins cost this, this sacrifice its life. You were identifying with that sacrifice that was being given for you. Does that make sense? So now when we see the laying on of hands here in the commissioning of these disciples, these apostles, uh, we see that God is uh, having uh, these other leaders identify with the sent ones. Even though we're not going, we're going. Even though we're not there, we're there. Even though you're the one that's leaving, we're all leaving with you in whatever senses that we can, through our prayers, through our giving. Uh, We're going to be here when you get back so that you can rest and recover. We want to rejoice with you and benefit from you as we hear the stories from you as you go and come back. It's a team effort when a church sends out uh, those that God would have served him. So we're going to do that today. Ricky's already uh, gone over a couple of the ways that you can do that. Uh, The first way is to pray. Everybody's got their prayer cards. If you only got one bulletin today, I would encourage everybody to walk out of here with one of these bookmarks so that you could pray for the teams generally and for the people on your cards specifically. We can make them like trading cards. I'll trade you my Corey Hires for two of your Travis Lowe's. All right, here we go. Um, <laughs> that just came to me. We'll keep going. You can buy those global T-shirts because uh, it takes money for us to send our teams. Our students and our uh, adult teams, require, and we, they've been f- raising funds, working at car shows and doing all these crazy things to raise their funds. I know there's still some need. Um, and so I'm going to do something I've never done. I can't remember in 12 years ever doing this. Um, you can buy T-shirts, but I'm, I'm going to do something that I've never done here before. We're going to take another offering. And here's the deal. It, I'm, I'm not a guilt giver guy. If you've ever been a part of our church, if you don't feel the, the Lord leading you to give, don't give. I want you to give cheerfully, all right? I want you to give because you want to, not because you have to. But I know that everybody in here, look at me and listen to me, everybody in here is a partner with these people that we're sending out. If you're a part of this church, you're a part of these teams, and you may not get letters from them because you're not family or friends or your parents, you know, your friends are, uh, you know, the parents of these kids aren't in your life groups. With your, anyway, you may not have had a specific opportunity to provide for these people, so this is your chance. And let, listen, if this room, everybody in here gives up a cup of coffee, four goes a Starbucks or, a, you know, an Italian beef at Portillo's this week, and, and we put that in this plate, we're going to have more than enough money to send all of our teams to go to the places they need to go. And, and I'm not doing this, listen, look at me, I'm not doing this because we need the money. Is everybody hearing me? I'm doing this because I want us to understand that all of us are in this together. This is for us to get this through our minds, that we are the ones uh, who send. God sets apart the senders and surrounds those sent with those who will send. So I'm going to keep preaching. You give as God leads. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, there it is again, uh, it wasn't their doing, it was the Holy Spirit's doing. These guys went down to Seleucia, it was a port there uh, near Antioch, and they sailed to a place called Cyprus. Cyprus is kind of like Key West, it's kind of a vacation-y place in the Mediterranean at the time, and that's where God told them to go. They went to Cyprus. Uh, when they arrived at Salamis, which is a port city on Cyprus, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. This was their, 
their norm. Well, when the disciples would bring the message of Jesus to a new region, they'd start with the Jews uh, because the Jews had some background. Uh, the prophecies of their Old Testament pointed to the coming of Messiah, and they would report the Messiah was here. His name is Jesus. Uh, and then uh, they also brought this guy named John to assist them. We'll, we'll hear more about him next week. Come back, and we'll talk about him. But John becomes this guy, uh, also known as Mark, who is the writer of the second gospel in your New Testaments, and who's, uh, who I'm named after. Isn't that nice? Uh, it's very nice. Okay. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit will lead us to listeners. The Holy Spirit will lead us to listeners. If you ever get a chance to share your faith, uh, like I said, I've never had one of those scheduled in my entire life, uh, but the Holy Spirit has appointed days. He's given us all of our days of our lives, and he has figured out uh, who he wants to interact with who so that people can know and follow Jesus and have a relationship with God. Uh, that's his business. That's what he does. So he will set up appointments. Look what happened here on this island. Uh, when they had got through the whole islands, they'd been there for a while. As far as Paphos, it's about halfway through Cyprus, they came upon a certain magician, uh, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Uh, this guy was a scam artist, a con, and uh, he, he had taken to call himself Bar-Jesus. Bar is uh, the word for son of, and Jesus, you think of Jesus immediately because you've read the Bible and know that we follow him, but he wasn't uh, thinking of Jesus of Nazareth. He'd probably never heard of him. Uh, this is Cyprus. It's an unreached place. And so um, he was just using the, the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means salvation. And he says, I am the son of salvation. Uh, he was kind of like a, an ancient uh, Morgan and Morgan. He was for the people. And uh, if, if your life has had an accident, you know, uh, let me be the one to take care of you. You just give me a bunch of your money and I'll take care of you. And, that's the, and I'm not saying Morgan and Morgan are false prophets or anything like that. I'm just saying, because I could get, they'd probably sue me, right? Uh, anyway, uh, so I wasn't saying that, for the record. Now, this guy, Bar-Jesus, was hanging out with this pro-council. A pro-council was the governor. He was the appointed uh, official of the, the island of Cyprus in the Roman Empire. His name was Sergius Paulus, and he was, a, he was a smart dude. Luke is very careful here to describe this guy. as a, he, was a, he was a sharp knife in the drawer, okay? And uh, he, he's, he's so sharp, so interested. He knows what's going on. He's obviously a good governor. He knows what's going on in his island. He hears that Paul and Barnabas are going back and forth talking about this Jesus guy, and he's like, i got to hear about this. And so he summons uh, a ball and so, ball. Saul and Barnabas. Can you tell him in a hurry? Saul and Barnabas, and, and, he, and he wanted to find out what he wanted to say. But he, here's what this guy, uh, uh, Bar-Jesus, does. His real name is Elimus, verse 8. Uh, his real name is Elimus, the magician. Uh, th- that word magician is, is, is the root word magi, like we have magi uh, at Christmas time. And it just means wise person or skillful person. It just means he's a con. The magi who came to see Jesus, not cons. But this magician, don't think like magic, poof, you know, a dove. Uh, he's a con man, all right? Uh, and, and he opposed Paul or Saul and Barnabas, obviously, because uh, he was going to lose a client, the most powerful client on the island. And he sought to turn the pro-council away from the faith. Uh, the, the part I want to focus on there, though, is the fact that the, the Sergius Paulus, uh, he set up the appointment with Paul and Barnabas. He summoned them. Saul and Barnabas had been sent to Cyprus I trust that they had chances to lead lots of people in Cyprus to Christ, but I think one of the principal reasons that they were brought to the island of Cyprus was for the governor to meet Christ. In fact, they've done archaeological digs, and they've found that Sergius Paulus indeed lived in uh, Cyprus around the time of Christ, around the time of the early first century, and he and his whole family came to know Jesus Christ. It's archaeologically proven. Uh, we have no idea who he went and influenced as, a, as a, an official in the Roman government, uh, but we trust that God used him in his conversion to reach many others because he was such a wise 
and, uh, and uh, prominent person. I believe that God brought Paul and Barnabas to Cyprus to meet Sergius. And I believe that if, if you're a Christian in here, God brought you to whoever explained the gospel to you. If it was your parents, if it was your pastor growing up in your church, if it was someone from work, whoever it was, God brought you to that person so that you could meet Jesus. It's just how it works. And so don't get fearful or discouraged about going out on a mission trip or going out to your work and wondering, you know, who am I going to share my faith with? God knows. He'll lead you where you got to go. Just be ready. Be ready to give an account of the joy that's within you. Just be ready to tell someone. He'll take care of the appointing. That's his job. You just be ready to share when it's time to share. Uh, Svetlana was on the video there. She was one of the ladies who went to uh, 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 Guatemala this year. She's from Ukraine. Uh, She and her daughter Angela came up and told me their story of how they came to know Christ. They were just living their lives out in Ukraine in a godless existence in the Ukraine. And God sent some American missionaries to the Ukraine to start preaching in their town. Angela was like 15 years old, the daughter, and she went first. And she just could not believe the messages she was hearing. She would do her chores early so that she could get out uh, and go to these, miss- these missionary services that were meeting every night in her town. Well, eventually she became a Christian and started changing her life. And Svetlana, who you saw in the video, uh, by her account, was just uber curious about what was going on with her daughter. And she started going. And then her husband started going, and then her whole family started going, and they all became Christians, and then they moved to the United States, and Angela still is a missionary back in Ukraine, and Svetlana and her husband are hanging out here in our church, and now they're going on mission trips with us. And it all started in a godless existence in a country far, far away, and that's how the Holy Spirit works. He brings people who need Jesus to people who have Jesus so that the two can figure this stuff out. And that's why we're sending teams where we're sending teams, with the hopes that there'll be a harvest, that God has set up those appointments and that people will know, know Christ. Now, one last thing, just one more encouragement to you. As we go, as we get out there, the Holy Spirit's the winner. He defeats all the defilers. Uh, this bar Jesus guy did not have a chance because he's up against the God of the universe. And whatever God purposes will happen, just so you know. Uh, it's been a rough week around here. Uh, we've had families... Uh, who have had, uh, gone through the misfortune of their children's passing. Um, and, and I don't know why those things happen. I have no idea. But you know what I do know? I know that God is still on the throne. I know that God's still in control. Uh, God is, is, is in control of everything. And, and when we feel like uh, there's impossible, insurmountable circumstances in the reaching of people, uh, it's, just, it's just not impossible with him. He's God. So it says in verse 9, Saul, who was also called Paul, there it is, his first Paul sighting, all right? Uh, he changes his name because Saul is a Jewish name. Uh, Paul is his kind of uh, Gentile moniker, right? Like if you have a nickname, my nickname in college was Buckethead. Let's not use that, okay? But if you go back to my college, no one knows me as Mark Saunders. They just know Buckethead. And uh, <laughs> uh, this was Paul's Gentile nickname. Now, he's going to work predominantly with the Gentiles from now on, so guess what he went by? Paul, not Saul. Uh, it was his in with the Gentiles. Uh, it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Go back. And, th- and that he looked intently at, at this guy, Bar-Jesus. He, he just went into a Holy Spirit stare down. The Holy Spirit inspired him. He wasn't supposed to say anything yet. He's probably listening to this guy, you know, complain about uh, him and Barnabas coming in and saying all this crazy stuff. And he can't listen to them. I'm the truth. I'm the, you know, you got to listen to me. And he's, he's not saying anything. He, I think he's just rolling up the robe sleeves and he's just staring them down. <laughs> And then the Holy Spirit 
It says, say this, because that's what it says next. It says, the Holy Spirit said him, uh, inspired him, and he said, you son of the devil. What did Bar-Jesus mean? Son of salvation. What, 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 does, what does Paul call uh, this Bar-Jesus guy? You're not the son of salvation. You're the son of Satan. You're the son of the devil. You're the enemy of all righteousness. You're full of all deceit and villainy. Uh, and, and will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? He goes right to the book of Ecclesiastes that this Jewish guy, this Jewish con man would know. And he's saying, you know what? You're the guy that Solomon was talking about, uh, that God takes crooked things and makes straight. You're the crooked maker. I mean, it's maybe the first time that someone's been called a crook. You're crooked. He says this. He says, I'm, I'm just here to tell you, verse 11, uh, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you. Sorry, bro. Can't be having this. Things is about to change. The hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Does anybody remember how Saul came to know Jesus? Is anybody catching the irony on this thing? Saul's on a road to Damascus. Uh, Jesus c- confronts him and says, why are you persecuting me, right? And uh, uh, he's like, who are you, Lord? And and then he says, you know what, you're going to be blind for a little while. Stumble into town. i got a friend who's going to meet you. uh, But you're going to work for me from now on. And so Paul here says, hey, man, I I know where this is going, but it's got to go there. And and right immediately, a mist and a darkness fell upon this guy, Bar Jesus, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. But I'm guessing everybody was like, no thanks. I don't want whatever whatever he has. Cooties, right? I mean, I'm not going over there. But here's what happened. This is the end game in all of our goings. The pro-council believed. Sergius Paulus, he's like, I'm in. I believe when he saw what had occurred, and and, and he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Oh, church, we have such an awesome opportunity. God has blessed us so much, hasn't he? I mean, God has just given us so much. Things are hard sometimes, but God has given us each other. He's given us his word. He's given us the opportunity to serve him. And we're sending these teams out this year uh, at the behest of the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can arrange these meetings, overcome these obstacles, and people can know Jesus. It's good. And so we want to partner with these teams. We're going. So they're coming in now, and uh, uh, we're going to just take a time of a prayer and a commissioning. Remember to be praying for them uh, throughout the summer as you use these bookmarks. Uh, you know, support these teams however you can. Uh, yeah, here they come. Here they come. Moving, moving quickly so that we can get around each other. You'll see their signs as to where they're going. And I know there's a bunch of us in here, uh, but we're going to just pray and then, and then sing a song together uh, in closing, a song of commitment to the things. But here's what I want you to do. As they're coming in, you'll kind of see them posted up around here in their blue shirts. I want, uh, as you're comfortable, get up and just walk around to wherever you're closest to a team and just surround those teams. You can just turn in your seats. And then let's do what they did back in Antioch. Let's lay some hands on these people as a sign of our solidarity with them, as a sign of us sympathizing with them and partnering with them in their going so that as they go, they know that we go with them. And as soon as you get to those teams, uh, whether you're close enough for them to hear or not, I just want you to pray out loud. God is God. He can hear all of our prayers at the same time and and honor each of them. We're just going to have a time, about a minute's worth of time, where we just pray as a church for these teams going out, everybody praying at the same time. Let's all pray together. Go ahead.
Lord, uh, we sit or we stand in this room uh, united in one cause, your cause. And we want to see you made famous in the hearts and lives of men and women around the world in our community. We want to see uh, you lifted up. And we want to be vessels that you can be poured through to a world that desperately needs you. So these that we're gathered around right now, they're, they're going out specifically to these different places around our country and around our world uh, to, to teach people and to, and to show people your good news. Uh, go with them, God. Uh, uh, knit our hearts, unite us around their cause. It's your cause. It's our cause. Uh, use us all, God, in the furtherance of your mission. I pray for their protection. I pray for their safe travels. I pray uh, that things go exceedingly abundantly above everything we could ask or think uh, that we're just amazed by the harvest and by the fruit of these ventures and we want to send more people God help us all to be ready for whatever you have for us whether it's at work tomorrow uh, whether it's uh, walking down our, our street tonight for our nightly walk and a neighbor comes out just make us ready for the appointments that you set out use us God for your glory I pray we're going to sing this song together. You can just stay where you are. Stand up. The rest of you, if you're sitting down, just stand. Let's sing this song of commitment together that we would burn with our hearts full for Jesus. For every need to bow down, for every heart to believe, for every tongue to confess. church said one more time. Amen. God bless you as you go. Don't forget we have baptisms on the courtyard.